Here we go. You're listening to Email Friday on this first day of July in the year of our Lord 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at an issue. But, <coughs> excuse me, I have something, first of all, to tell you. I have about 6,000 library books that I have gathered over my years at the seminary. Many of them are religious books, including Luther's works, etc. And I'm looking for a congregation that is willing to take all 6,000 books and I will give them to the congregation at no cost. All I need from the congregation is a letter for the income tax indicating that I did give those books and will have an amount of what they are worth. The congregation will need to come to St. Louis, maybe its members, get a U-Haul, and I've got boxes for the books, etc., and they can take them back to their congregation. So I know there's congregations that would love to have a library and not only are there many books that you will want to keep in your library, but there are also a number of books that you'd be willing to sell because you don't need them anymore or other people may want to buy them. So that's the, the deal. Over 6,000 books, and they're available at no cost. It needs to be a congregation in order to be taken off income tax. And the fact of the matter is I live in St. Louis and we have a tremendous library at Concordia Seminary, St. Louis. So if I need to take a look at some of these books that I'm giving away, I can always go there. So you just write me at law and gospel at law and gospel 101.com and we'll be glad to make arrangements if your congregation is willing to pick up the books and take them back to their congregation. All right. Today we're coming up to, of course, July 4th, and there's a lot of issues that are being dealt with. You know, the Supreme Court has made some rulings that people are very interested in, in regarding Roe v. Wade, in regarding the purchase of guns now and other items to protect oneself. They also ruled that a football coach can have a prayer at a football game with his team members. Now, the team members are not forced to attend the prayer, so it's a voluntary thing, but he has the right to do that. Well, a number of emails we received are from listeners who really are confused about what we talk about, especially Wes Reimnitz and myself, on Thursdays, and it's called critical race theory. 
It's very important to understand this during July 4th because a lot of people really think that that is the issue and the problem in the United States. So we need to discuss what is meant by critical race theory. It is a way of understanding how American racism has shaped public policy or a divisive discourse that pits people of color against white people. And liberals like to do that against white people. Conservatives are in sharp disagreement. And the topic has exploded in the public arena this spring, especially in grades kindergarten through grade 12, where numerous state legislatures are debating bills seeking to ban its use in the classroom. Now, in truth, these divisions are not nearly as neat as they may seem. The events of the last decade have increased public awareness about things like housing segregation, the impacts of criminal justice in the 1990s, uh, the legacy of enslavement in the past of black Americans. But there is much less consensus on what the government's role should be in righting these past wrongs. And then now that you are adding children and schooling into the mix, the debate becomes especially volatile. So just what is critical theory anyway? It is an academic concept that is more than 40 years old. The core idea is that race, like between black and white, is a social construct, and that racism is not just the product of individual bias or prejudice, but also something embedded in legal systems and policy. Now, the basic tenets of critical race theory emerged out of a framework for legal analysis in the late 1970s and early 1980s. And they were created by legal scholars, uh, Derek Bell, Kimberly Crenshaw, Richard Delgado, among others. Now, I'll give you an example of what they point to. In the 1930s, government officials literally drew lines around areas in the country that were deemed as poor financial risks, often explicitly due to the racial composition of inhabitants. What did that result in? Banks subsequently 
refused to offer mortgages to black people in those areas. And therefore, they said, see, that was an example of government intrusion and was racism. Today, those same patterns of discrimination live on through race-blind policies like single-family zoning that prevents the building of affordable housing in advantaged majority white neighborhoods and thus stymies racial desegregation efforts. To an extent, the term critical race theory, CRT, is now cited as the basis of all diversity and includes efforts regardless of how much it is actually informing various programs. Now, the reason we've been talking about that on KFUO is there seems to be a feeling that in some of our universities, critical race theory has kind of taken over. In, in fact, we have universities that have student newspapers that they can write in it anything they want. And recently at one of our universities, an article was written by a woman who says that abortion is her right and that no government can tell her not to have an abortion. And, and therefore, that would be part of critical race theory when a government like the Supreme Court indicates that Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional. Now, there is a conservative organization. It's called the Heritage Foundation. And they recently attributed a whole host of issues due to critical race theory. They included in those issues the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests. Now that's still going on, and we have discovered that the organizers of the Black Lives Matter are really people who are part of kind of a communist view that they don't want the other subject to be heard. Only black lives matter. In fact, when white people say, no, white ma lives matter also, then there are protests against white people saying that. And therefore, black lives matter has become part of the critical race theory problem. Also, the LGBTQ clubs in schools. That's where gay people have clubs in schools that indicate that there's nothing wrong with the gay lifestyle. Because a lot of times, the bias against them is due to critical race theory. You also have 
according to the Heritage Foundation, diversity training in federal agencies and organizations. You have California's recent ethnic studies model. They have a curriculum that puts critical race theory as very important. Then you also have the free speech debate on college campuses where conservatives are protested to the point where it's very difficult for them even to give speeches on college campuses. That's part of the critical race theorists, theorists that want to stop language with which they disagree with. In fact, they would say that that is hated speech and therefore white people are not permitted to speak out against it. You also have alternatives to exclusionary discipline, such as the Promise Program in Broward County, Florida, that some parents blame for the Parkland school shootings. When followed to its logical conclusion, critical race theory is destructive and rejects the fundamental ideas on which our constitutional republic is based. A good parallel here is how popular ideas of the common core learning standards grew to encompass far more than what those standards said on paper. Now the question is, does a critical race theory, do they say that all white people are racist? Wouldn't that be a racist statement? The theory says that racism is part of everyday life. So people, white or non-white, who don't intend to be racist can nevertheless make choices that fuel racism. One example I heard is you have a woman walking down one side of a street and she sees ahead of her a group of four or five black teenagers. And what she does, she crosses the street so she doesn't get confronted by them. Now, they may not be at all bad people. They, they may be Lutherans attached to a Lutheran congregation. But she just has that feeling. And that would be an example. Do we say that she shouldn't cross the street? No, I, I think a, a woman needs protection in this day and age. And for example, at hospitals that I work with and other places of employment, the women also often have men who walk them to their cars where they are parked at night. 
that isn't because people are racist, because a white person can steal as easily as a black person. But the fact is, here in St. Louis, we have shootings every day with people dying. In fact, when I was driving for Uber, I picked up a black employer in, let's see, that was North, uh, South St. Louis. And he lived in North St. Louis in what was a area that wasn't too well kept. Uh, there were a lot of drugs selling, etc. So I drove him to his house and I was driving slowly through the area. And he said, what are you doing? You shouldn't be in this area any longer than you have to be. Just quickly get me to my house and they get out of this neighborhood. Now this was a black person telling me a white person what to watch out for. And yet I had a congregation where a high percentage of people were black. We loved each other. They were very Lutheran. Many of them were Democrats. And that was because they really appreciated what the Democrats did with unions in giving them jobs, etc. Yet I don't know of one black person in the congregation who was not opposed to abortion, homosexuality, and other vices that we are having. They were all very conservative, but they did vote as Democrats. So we need to be really careful that we don't use critical race theory uh, against all blacks, or even against whites. So there's no doubt that there are times in our everyday life that we make choices that fuel racism. So that woman who crosses the street so she doesn't get confronted by a group of blacks, that is a kind of thing that we need to try and overcome. And that could occur as less and less of this racism occur. Now, some critics claim that the advocates of critical race theory discriminate against white people in order to achieve equity. They mainly aim those accusations at theorists who advocate for policy that explicitly take race into account. Uh, for example, there are some businesses now that have uh, adopted rules that on their board of directors, there must be a percentage of black people. And so that becomes really important, the color of skin. If, if that doesn't re lead to racism, I don't know that does.
In fact, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, it's very hard for me to see how you can have a racial objective, but a non-racial means to get there. And so she would be for things like that. Conservatives are not. Critical race theory emerged out of postmodern thought, which tends to be skeptical of the idea of universal values, objective knowledge, individual merit, enlightenment rationalism, and liberalism. Now, that's where the difference between critical race theorists and conservatives take place. Uh, for example, as conservative Christians, we believe that the way we should act towards others is based on Holy Scripture. And therefore, that becomes our foundation for not only acting towards others, but also, and this is important, in making laws that do not discriminate against certain people. Now, scholars who study critical race theory in education now look at how policies and practices in kindergarten through grade 12 contribute to persistent racial inequalities in education, and they advocate for ways to change them. Among the topics they've studied, racially segregated schools, the underfunding of majority black and Latino school districts, disproportionate disciplining of black students, barriers to gifted programs, and selective submission to high schools, and curricula that enforce racist ideas. Now, these things need to be talked about and removed from the education areas if they reinforce racist ideas. Critical race theory is not a synonym for culturally relevant teaching, which emerged in the 1990s. This teaching approach seeks to affirm students' ethnic and racial backgrounds and is intellectually rigorous. But it is related in that one of its aims is to help students identify and critique the causes of social inequality in their own lives. Conservatives do not disagree that there are socially inequality going on in our lives. And we in our vocations should attempt to stop that. But at the same time, it doesn't become the mission of the church. Social inequality has gone on since the beginning of Adam and Eve, where they disagreed with God's word and said, no, this is what we believe. In other words, critical race theory 
has as part of its teaching the importance of me. I decide, according to critical race theory, what are my morals? What is my behavior? Nobody tells me what to do. And that, of course, is contrary to Holy Scripture. But it is also true to until someone comes to faith in Jesus Christ, they really don't care about following what the Bible says in regard to our behavior. And that is a sad situation. This is why it's so important that if you're in an area where the public schools are teaching critical race theory, it's time to send your child to a proper parochial school that disagrees with that point of view, lest the child also becomes racist in his or her thinking. So it is something that we're facing with. It's something that needs to be cleaned up, particularly in Lutheran schools. And it's something that's being worked on so that people have a better understanding of what God's will is in their life. It's not an easy task, and we should be in conversation with those who are trying to point out areas where racist laws continue, because a Christian as is said by the Bible, there's no distinction between Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female, and we would add black or white. There's no distinction, for in Christ, all are able to come before the throne of God in prayer and ask, for that which is necessary in a country that is so divided against what the Bible says. I'm Tom Baker. You've been listening to Law and Gospel. We will not be on the air Monday because of the holiday. So join us on Tuesday when with Mark Smith, We'll be taking a look at the hymn for the following Sunday from a law and gospel perspective. Thanks so much for listening to Email Law and Gospel. Until Tuesday, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.